Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Hey, <laughs> I love those fun songs. I have a thing for these things. I would say welcome again to Real Life. Uh, thanks for uh, not dodging this, uh, this message series, you know? My big fat mouth. You're like, man, where is this going to go today? Uh, maybe we believe words are powerful, amen? They can build people up. They can tear people down. Uh, the Bible talks about the bunt of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we're going to get our words right. We're going to work on this one. And so we're going to do this series. Somebody asked how long it's going to last. Well, we have it marked down for four weeks. But, uh, you know, if we need to go longer and longer, like, you know, four or five years, um, <laughs> You know, we go there, but we're going to get it right. We're going to keep working on this till we get there. Amen? Amen. There's a lot to work on with our words. They're super, super powerful. And so uh, we're going to dive in, just uh, tell you a little bit about the themes we're going into. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the problem of lying. No, they'll be naming that. That's cool. Um, cool. Criticizing. We're going to go into some gossip, all sorts of uh, interesting stuff. But today, I was going to introduce our theme. I've got a little picture up here. It's going to throw up. Uh, this is my beautiful daughter, Emery. And I zoomed in on like really far, so... Uh, but we're in the hospital this week, uh, long story, uh, but she got a little fever, and uh, she's doing good now. Uh, she's back to her ornery self. She's driving cars in the trees and different, all right, she doesn't do that quite yet, um, but she will. I know how it's going to work. No offense to women driving. Oh, I was kidding. Um, but I love Emery, but we were in the hospital. Uh, she had high fever, and I uh, got the whole workup and everything, and so uh, we got there really late Monday uh, night and didn't get into her room until like 5 o'clock in the morning, slept a few hours um, at best. And uh, had a lot going on this week. Anybody been there, right? You got a lot going on, so we're shifting gears. And uh, so pretty soon, you know, I'm uh, kind of complaining, like, man, this is kind of terrible timing, and this thing's going fast enough. You've been to the hospital, like, what's really going on, right? Like, what are we, what are we waiting on again? Who's supposed to come here? And so we're kind of talking, me and Diane, Tuesday night, sleeping, slept like two hours, and we're like, man, this is kind of frustrating. And then I got the news that there had been a couple kids that had passed away over the course of our time just in that state of the hospital um, had passed away. And so I felt like this big. You know, like, my problems were just totally not a problem. And uh, I heard of parents that had to say goodbye to their loved ones in the hospital. And so today we're going to talk about complaining. And uh, I'm guilty of this. I think we're all guilty of this. And so I'm going to preach this message to myself. And uh, hopefully you get something inspiring, encouraging in your life through this. And so uh, I think about complaints. I think in the Old Testament, I think of the Israelites uh, they were uh, captives, uh, slaves for the Egyptians for 400 years. And uh, if you know their story, they complained and complained. And you can't imagine every right to complain and complain. And then God did, did some incredible stuff. He began to use a man named Moses. There's miracles. He sent uh, the 10 plagues. And all of a sudden, the, uh, the Israelites were set free of Egypt. And so they made a, a dash and uh, made to the Red Sea. Of course, another miracle happened. And God split the Red Sea open and crushed all the Pharaoh's army. God gave him a pillar by fire at night to light the way. He gave him manna from heaven. A water from the rocks. Their clothes never got old. And guess what the Israelites did? They complained. They complained. All these miracles. God's right there. God's in it. God's using them. And they're complaining and complaining, complaining. And so I also, uh, it kind of reminds my story at the hospital a little bit and uh, all of us at times. But check out Exodus 14. It says this. The Israelites said to Moses, was because there were no graves in Egypt that he brought us out in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? We were so happy being slaves. Come on, Moses. Why'd you take us out here in the desert? He goes on to say, didn't you say in Egypt, leave us alone? Like, we want to serve the Egyptians. It'd be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Man, does this sound like somebody you know? Don't point. It's not your chance to point. But, man, we like this sometimes, right? I've seen Facebook. 
I know what goes on. I, I hear the rumors, right? We have all this. Sometimes we get in the bad spot, right? And so uh, I know no one's complaining right now because guess what? The Chiefs are doing good. <laughs> they didn't choke. Yes. Didn't lose in the end. Go Chiefs. Hopefully the story continues, right? But Moses adds insult to injury. He, he gives this verse. He gives this thing from God to these people. And it just pretty much shut them up in their spot. And I think if we look at this verse, for some of us are going to go, whoa. I can't believe that God thinks this way. It says in Exodus 16, 8, it says, you're not grumbling against us, but who are you grumbling against? It says you're grumbling against the Lord. Imagine that every time we complained, you weren't grumbling against that person or against that car, right? But you're grumbling against God. Not grumbling against your spouse or your friend or the circumstance or the boss, but grumbling against God. Perhaps that's how God sees our complaints. And so what I want to do today is help you to personalize this message, just to see it through the lens of our own complaints. And so I want to ask a simple question, like, what is the biggest thing you complain about? What is it for you? And for me, if I'm real honest, my biggest thing to complain about is my schedule. I'm always like, man, I've got to be here and there, and I, man, I want to spend time this, and whatever, right? It goes on, on, on. I'm always trying to protect the schedule. I always kind of fall apart. That's what I was complaining about at the hospital. So I don't know about for you, what does your complaints look like? Maybe you're not married yet and you want to get that big rock on your finger. You can drag it behind you like, man, why is everybody else getting married? I'm the only one. You can dust off these cobwebs, whatever's going on, right? Like looking for that dude. And then you get married and what happens? Complain about who? <laughs> who said your mother-in-law? Don't be saying that. Or your spouse. I mean, come on, that never happened, right? I've never heard anybody complain about their spouse. Oh, man, the money's tight. The house is too small. The car is held together by duct tape and Jesus, and you need a new car, amen? It's just barely going down the road. Your boss drives you crazy. Uh, this is all things you complain about. Maybe the weather, right? Man, it's never perfect. Like, this is not perfect. Uh, the weather app's always wrong. Let's just accept that in life. Uh, the Wi-Fi is too slow. We struggle with this. I, this is a real struggle, right? Man, Wi-Fi is terrible. I need to upgrade this. Or we, there's nothing to watch. You have that nothing to watch. We can't, there's nothing to binge watch. Let's put it that way. There's nothing to binge watch. And I was to be clear this morning, the problem is not the weather. The problem is not the size of your house. It's not your car. It's not the Wi-Fi speed. That's not the problem. The problem this morning is that we've taken our eyes off of the goodness of God, off of all the blessings that are around us, and just focused it dead center onto ourselves. We just changed our perspective to ourselves. And today I want to look at a text I believe is so powerful about complaining. There's a man named the Apostle Paul in the Bible, and if anybody had a reason to complain, I think it would be the Apostle Paul. Uh, Apostle Paul had a dream of going to Rome and preaching the gospel to the leaders of the known world. He wanted to change the world to the face of Jesus, to flip it upside down, and he did. But he had a bigger dream. He said, I'm going to go to Rome. And so he ended up getting arrested and put in prison and chained to a Roman guard 24-7, 24-7, all the time. Every day of his life, he was chained in a prison cell. That's what happened to his dream. So he could complain in that moment. He could cry about that, and he could be upset about that, but instead, he had a different attitude. Matter of fact, he was awaiting possible execution. He wasn't sure if this day was going to be his last day. You know, if I was in Paul's place, I'd probably complain. Like, this isn't fair, God. I served you. Like, I'm trying to reach the city, Jesus. I was faithful to you. I've been shipwrecked for you. I've been been by snake for you, if you know the story. I've been left for dead for you, for dead twice. Like, I've done all this stuff in your name, Jesus. Why am I in this prison? This floor is hard. The food is bad. And this, this Roman soldier is not wearing any Old Spice. Like, this is bad. I'm about to get sick. There's so much going on. I'm sure his armpit hair is only just an inch away from my face. It's a vision this. <laughs> There's lots to complain about, you know? 
But he's not complaining. You don't find Paul in the Bible complaining about how hard his situation is. He's not crying. He's not moping. But he's not even telling God what's wrong. Instead, the Apostle Paul penned these words. It's found in Philippians chapter 2. It says this, do everything without grumbling. Another version says, do everything without complaining. Do everything without arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Man, what a high standard that whatever you do, wherever you go, whatever you say, in word or deed, do without complaining. Woo! Some of you guys are like, I have nothing to say this week. <laughs> this would be like the biggest challenge for some of you. Some of you, you know I'm talking, God's telling you right now, like, that's you, man. Man, there's a lot of spiritual reasons not to complain. There's a lot of reasons in the Bible not to complain. And there's also some real practical reasons. So I'm going to give you one real practical reason. There's a guy named, a guy named uh, man, I don't remember his name, Travis Bradbury. He wrote a book called Emotion Intelligence 2.0. He did all these studies on complaining. And what he found is, is that your brain actually gets rewired to complain. So as you complain, you complain more. And so all of a sudden you have a bad, you're emotionally negative. All of a sudden everything's just mindset of negativity. And all of a sudden you have this confirmation bias. You think it's going to be bad and so therefore it is bad. So if I show up to church today, which I know nobody thought this, I thought, man, I don't like loud worship music. Loud worship music is bad. I don't like skinny jeans, especially preachers in skinny jeans. And these aren't that skinny. Yeah, amen. You just wait till next week, folks. It's going to paint my body. I'm just kidding. Everybody's like, I'm bringing my friends, dude, in my camera. And that was the end of real life church. <laughs> One year, it was over. Oh, man. I don't know where I was. I got so sidetracked. But some of you guys come to church and you think, man, it's not real yet. It's not in a real building. Some people have that perception. The church isn't real until you buy a property. And so you show up and all of a sudden it's like, man, I, I knew it was going to be loud. I told you, I don't like live music. It's negative. I don't like this church. I don't like this. I don't like that. All of a sudden, we have these preconceived notions, and it just makes us negative. We catch ourselves doing this quite often. And so this is the problem the Israelites had. They were negative. In, in captivity, they were negative. They were negative, 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 complain, complain, complain. And they were set free. They're out of the prison cell. The problem doesn't exist. God is blessing them. God is using them. God is leading them where he wants to. All these things are happening, and they're still complaining. Just a picture of what, God, what it's like. And for me, I believe this. I don't want to go through my life being negative. I don't go through my entire life and have a negative mindset. Confirmation bias, everything's negative. I don't want to be that person. There's so much negativity in the world, amen, that we don't need to add more negativity. We don't need to find something else to complain about. We need to find the good in life, to find things that are pleasant, that are helpful, that are hopeful, not to be negative every day. I believe Paul gives us two big ideas, and these ideas are at the heart of this message, and I believe this will be encouraging to you, inspire you, help motivate you to not to complain, but to rejoice in what God is doing in any situation. First thing is this. Paul really lives us out, and he taught this simple statement. He says, if you can change your circumstance, if there's something in your life that's negative, if you can change it, then do something about it. Change it. There's something in your life that's negative. There's something around you that's not working. Then change it. If there's something that's unpleasant, that's not right, that you don't like, then do something about it. That we're not going to go through life and believe that everything's perfect. Amen? Like, life isn't always a bed of roses. But if you can change it, then God's calling you to change it. Think of Nehemiah's story. He goes to Jerusalem, and he sees the walls are all in shambles. And what did he do? He complained. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't complain, right? No complaints. He didn't go, God, where are you? I can't believe these walls are down. What were you doing? Hey, everybody, where, why don't you get this done yet? Why am I the only person thinking this way? What are you guys doing? You never find one complaint. Matter of fact, he just does something about it. He assembles a team and rebuilds the walls in, around Jerusalem. And so for us, what bothers you? Like, what do you catch yourself complaining about that you can change? What do you dislike? What gives you a righteous dissatisfaction? What's a godly discomfort? You're like, man, this isn't fair. 
Maybe God's calling you to change that thing. Don't complain about it. Don't go on Facebook. Facebook, I can't believe this. I'm so mad at da 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 da. Do something about it. Facebook don't care. They're not going to do something about it. God's calling you to change it. Do something about it. We need a life-giving church in our city. I'm not going to complain it's not a life-giving church. I'm going to launch a life-giving church. God's going to call me out. I'm going to say, I'll be faithful to you. Hey, I don't like what's happened in our foster care system. Hey, I'm going to step up. I'm going to be a foster parent. We're going to step up and make a difference. I'm going to encourage you. Get your A game on. Maybe God's calling us to give off, get off our spiritual uh, whatever is over here and go do something. I believe it. I know God's calling you. You're just like, man, it's anybody but me, God. I just don't like what's going on. God's calling you to do something. Change it. Second thing is this. If you can't change your circumstance, if you can't change what's going on around you, if it's just something that's just not in your control, then change your perspective. Change how you see that. Change what you believe about it. Change how you talk about it. Maybe there's, maybe how you think about it. Maybe how you see the whole thing. There's so much power in this comment that Paul's about to make in verse 17. And you remember Paul's in chains. He's waiting to be executed. His dream has been shattered, so he thinks. And he's in prison. He says this. He says, but even if, I love this phrase, but even if, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you. So too, should you be glad and rejoice with me. Man, what's that mean to be poured out like a drink offering? What's that mean? Because you get the picture of this. It's so powerful what Paul is saying. In the Old Testament, the priest would take a lamb, they'd take an animal, and they'd sacrifice it and put it on the altar that's on fire. And they're, they're raising up this incense to God. And then they'd take the most valuable liquid, maybe it was wine, maybe it was honey, and they'd pour it on top of this sacrifice and it'd raise up this steam, this aroma to God, this sacrifice to God that would please him. And Paul is saying, even if my life is being poured out, if I never leave this cell, if I were to die here in these chains, then do it because I'm going to do it rejoicing. Because even if, even if the worst nightmare came true, I'm still going to praise God. Man, how powerful is that? That we can rejoice even though life isn't going our way. You know, Paul says this elsewhere. He says, you offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, that this is your act of worship. That worship isn't just coming on Sunday morning and raising our hands to a holy God. That worship is being poured out every single day of our life in that cubicle with that boss you don't like, at home when the family's not going too hot, when things aren't going well, that we're being poured out every single day, that we're going to rejoice in the worst of circumstances. Even though he's chained to a Roman guard, he's going to offer himself as a sacrifice to God. But how can Paul say this? How can Paul make this comment that he is going to rejoice in the worst of times? How can he do this? And I believe it's really simple that Paul recognized that he's not the center of the story. That the story we're walking through isn't the story of Sean. It's really not the story of real life. It's not the story of anybody here. This is Jesus' story. And if Jesus wants to pour my life out, if he wants to put me in a difficult situation, if he wants to give me bad news that I can't change, that I never asked for, that I never wanted, that he can pour my life out because my life is a sacrifice to him that's a living sacrifice. And so God is going to use our story. The story is all about Jesus. Paul didn't center it on himself. He just changed his perspective. He couldn't change the fact he was chained to a guard, amen? But he could change how he sees it. I don't want you to miss the power of this. I don't you to miss the power of this very thought that 24 hours a day that he was chained to a guard. Every eight hours in that culture, a new guard would come. Every eight hours. 
So he's chained to a guard over and over and over and over and over and over for two years. I want you to think about the power of what he's going to say in this next verse. He says in verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. Like, I'm in chains, and guess what? God is using it to advance the gospel. I'm not here complaining to sell, folks. I'm going to rejoice because I've changed my perspective because God's going to do something through the chains that he's put me in. He says in verse 13, as a result, it's become crystal clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in these chains for Christ. You think about everybody in the palace, everybody in the government, every leader in this country knows that I'm in these chains for Christ. Says everybody else, I would assume that means like the emperor himself knows that there's a man named Paul that's in his prison that is chained for Christ. Can you believe that? And this is Paul's attitude. He's rejoicing that God is using his chains. What he's saying is this, you think I'm a prisoner, but the real prisoner is this Roman guard because I get virgin ears every single eight hours. I get fresh meat. I get somebody I can tell about the cause of Christ. And that person can't go anywhere. He's mine to lead to the cause of Christ. You know what? This wasn't my plan. This wasn't my dream. This wasn't what I would have chosen for myself. I have a lot of reasons to complain, but I'm going to change my perspective today because I'm not chained to this guard. This guard is chained to me. Amen? Your circumstances chained to you. God puts that chain there for a reason. For some of you, there's some chains in your past. You've been through some stuff that was extremely difficult, and you feel like you can never get past it. There's something that somebody spoke to you. There's something that somebody did something to you, and you can't get past it. For some of you, there's somebody in your own house you can't get past. There's some financial problem. There's some thing going on in your life, and you can't see past it. But I'm telling you today that God gave you that chain. God to put it there for a purpose. God still has a plan. God has an assignment for you, and even if God pours you out in that circumstance, even if he pours you out, you can still rejoice. So the question this morning is real simple. What are you chained to? Don't say your spouse. Because <laughs> I know y'all thinking it. <laughs> but what are you really chained to? Maybe, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a kid that's wandered away from God. Maybe it's money. But I'm going to tell you something. If you could do something about it, do something about it. So if you can pray, then pray. If you can get help, get help. If you can get counseling, go get counseling. If you can find a way to get motivated, get motivated. If you can get wisdom, get wisdom. If you can do something at all to change the circumstance, then do that thing and change it. But if you can't change your circumstance, then change your perspective. Change how you see it. Change the way you look at it. Change what you believe about it. Change what you believe about people. Change what you believe about the inherent nature of people. Change how you see yourself in the eyes of God. See, God has chosen you. He's put you in your circumstance, and God's presence and plan is right with you, even though you didn't ask for all the stuff that's happening in your life. You know, this morning, I want to take a minute. I want to make this really, really, really real to you. Today, I want to have somebody come to the stage. I'm going to introduce somebody that has every reason to complain, every reason not to have a joy in her life, every reason to be negative. And this is something I believe that God's going to use in your life to just kind of get you to think, man, maybe I should be less complaining and rejoice in my life. This person has come to our church. She recently joined the dream team. She's jumped on board with everything we're doing. And it's been such a blessing to serve next to her. And so real life, I want you to join me in welcoming Maria Boyce to the stage this morning. Give it up for Maria.
Okay. <laughs> Hello, my name is Zoya Boys. My name is Maria Boys, and I'm from West Africa, Sierra Leone. Um, I got my hands cut off when I was 12 years old, and after that, I felt really helpless. I felt hopeless, and I didn't think I'd be able to do anything else. And I was sitting on a banana tree, and I heard a voice of God spoke out to me, saying that everything's gonna be all right. And that time, I did not understand what that meant. And I was just like, keep on feeling sorry for myself. And I said, I can't do this, I can't live. And God keep on touching my heart and speaking, saying everything's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be all right. And I just accepted and said, okay, everything is gonna be all right. I don't know what that means, but I'm gonna trust whatever you said. And from that day on, after I came to this state, I was listening to a pastor preaching. And he opened a Bible, and he was reading out of Philippians 4.13, saying, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And I just blocked everything as he was saying, and I just held on to that word that he said. And I, was, I keep repeating that in my head, because um, there are times that I go through hard times, like trying to put on jeans and button and all that stuff, and I have a hard time, and I will cry. I will cry, I say, Lord, I can't do this. It's too much, I can't take care of myself. And I have like people feed me, and, and I love to eat. So I feel like they're putting their food slowly in my mouth. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> I want to feed myself, and I want to feed myself to the pace that I want. And so that verse keep on reminding me, and because I was trying to do things in my own way, in my own will, and without God. I have God in me, I have Jesus, but I was like, you know, doing things, because I'm like, I'm going to do things. And, but when I have Jesus, I put that, I put him in my heart and saying that, I will be able to do things because he's here with me. I don't care what it is, he's gonna be with me and help me through it. And an example was when I have my first child, Joseph, and he was a baby. We came home from the hospital two weeks and I have Jeff to help me, so I was good. And this is like me coming from learning, we're learning how to take care of myself and now I have to take care of a little baby. And it was time for Jeff to go back to work, and I was scared. I was panicking. I said, I, how am I going to do this? How am I going to take care of a baby? And I don't know. And so I lay him on the bed. I took out the diapers and the wipes and took out a onesie. And I said, OK, I'm ready for this. And I lay him on the bed. And I'm on the bed, I took off the diaper. It was easy to take off a diaper. It's like, okay, and I took the new one, trying to put it underneath him and to um, buckle it back up with the... Um, so I was trying to, and I was really struggling, having a hard time, my first time, and I was just like having a hard time, like if I can't put this diaper on him, how am I going to put on his onesie? And I was like, I just stood there and I was crying. I fell on my knees and I started crying, looking at him, how helpless he was, that he need me, he depend on me. 
And I just like, Lord, I need you. I really do. Because um, I want to do things. I don't want people to take care of me. I love people. I love people to help me not be by my side, um, by my side every second and feed me and clothe me. And I'm not ungrateful. I'm very grateful for people. I said, but I said, Lord, I want to do this. I want to take care of my baby. He needs me. And I, my knees on the floor, just crying. And then I remember the verse, Philippians 4.13. I stood up and took the Bible and opened it back up. And I, to Philippians 4.13, reading it in my head. I keep on reading it and repeat it over and over. And I close up the Bible and I stood up and said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. With him, I'm able to do everything. With him, I can move and be free. And so I took that diaper and I put on him and I put on his onesie and I was filled with joy. And I held my baby, I started smiling and I was blessed. And from that day on, I said, I can't is not in my word. I will never say I can't. And I will say I can and I will. I don't care how long it's going to take me, but I will do it. And from that day on, Jesus is with me. Every time there's like big things in my way, I am not afraid because I have him and he will always be in me and I will always be by his side. And so thank you. It's such a powerful story of what God is doing and just that you're so uh, joyful about it. It's so challenging, I think, for all of us, especially, I know for me, that you're so humble. Uh, of all reasons in the world to complain, of all reasons to quit and not do what God's calling to do, you've stepped up and it's been so encouraging to watch you. The moment you've come to our church, I'm like, man, she's so positive, so positive. And so it's encouraging and it's challenging and I know God's using it. So stay strong, keep pushing forward, we believe in you. It's absolutely incredible what God's doing in and through you. Guys, would you thank her again one more time? Thanks, Maria. Yeah, what blows me away the most, uh, we went to Serve Day uh, just recently, and she signed up for Serve Day and went to Ozenam, and uh, she was out there in the garden on her knees picking the weeds for all these kids that she doesn't know and just serving. And I thought, man, if there's anybody who had an excuse not to show up today or to sign up, it would have been you. If anybody could have found a reason not to give back, it would have been her. So challenging. I left there going, wow, I wish more people would be like that. I remember talking to your dad a few weeks back. Uh, a couple of your kids got baptized here just a few weeks ago. Your dad was here, and uh, I just ran to him. I didn't uh, know who he was from anybody, and we began talking, and I said, man, you have an absolutely incredible daughter, and uh, just your heart and your passion to serve and make a difference. I saw that day, and I thought, man, this is absolutely incredible. He began to break down and tell me a story of when you first came here, and uh, you're still in bandages, and you were serving at a mission home uh, to a bunch of homeless people, and she was serving the meal to the homeless people. And he said, you'd never forget just that when they'd get the meal, they just sat there, and they couldn't eat the meal 
because they're so in shock that somebody who had so little, who had every reason not to give back, found it in their heart to serve others. Absolutely incredible. There's people, homeless people sitting in a room just sitting there staring, just kind of put in their place, I guess, that God's just speaking to them. It's like, man, we can have a better attitude, that we can do what God's called us to do. And you know, we can be a generation of people that can complain, and we can whine, and we can do all that all day long. And, but I believe God's calling us to something better. I believe there's things in our life that we can actually be justified to cry about, right? There's things that aren't fair. There's things that aren't right. There's things that aren't fun. There's things that aren't pleasant. And we can complain and complain and complain. Or we can change our perspective. We can choose to honor God with the change he put in our life. We can choose to honor God with the things he's put in us. We can change the way we speak about it. We can change how we think about it, which we saw this morning. We can change what we believe about ourselves. We can change about how we represent that item. You can trust that God is going to use it. You can bring honor to him, that he can draw close to him. And you can wake up over time and realize that you have reached the voice of a generation because you've endured something that nobody else is willing to endure in the name of Jesus, that you're making a difference and serving even without hands to lead the way for the cause of Christ. And all of a sudden people begin to see you as a leader because you're enduring just like Jesus did, just like on the cross, you become a person of influence. If you can't change your circumstance, you can change your perspective. Even if you're being poured out today, even if you never accomplish the things that you set out to accomplish, if your dreams don't come true, even if you're being poured out every single day, even if you're in the last days of your life, even if you lose your hands, you can rejoice that God is with you and that God is gonna use you and God's using your story to make a difference, amen? We can rejoice together. Why can we do this? Because in the middle of the thing that we didn't ask for, there's a glimpse of God's goodness that God is good all around us. He's still using me. You see the story that God's using to impact people, to impact others around us. He's working in me and through me, that he is good, even though I didn't ask for the circumstance, that God is still good through that. And how do you do that? How do you have the mentality? And I think it starts with very simply recognizing that you're not the center of the story. Like my time is not my time. My schedule's not my schedule. I've said it up here, interruptions are ministry, and I'm complaining about my schedule. Like, it's not us. This isn't our story. It's Jesus' story. So it starts with him. And it's so powerful when you think about this psalm that David wrote. David complained about a lot of things, but he got this right because he saw the goodness of God. I want to challenge you with it. It's found in Psalms 103. It says this, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he's done for me. But I never forget the goodness of God in my life. Man, I hope today you remember the goodness of God in your life, that your blessings outweigh your struggle that your blessings that way, your pain, that your blessings are so good in your life. It says this, one of these blessings, he goes on to verse three, he says, he forgives our sins. He heals our diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies, and he fills my life with good things. This is what Jesus does for you. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. I don't know if there's somebody walking through a difficult story, a difficult season. Maybe you're just that person going, yeah, I complained a lot. Like, that's just kind of me. I don't know if I can even change that. I don't know if that's your story. But believe this, if you can change it, change it. If you can't, change your perspective. See God's power. See God's goodness. See God's using that story every single day, man. Bring praise to God with everything you have. Whatever you give, give glory to God. Don't give one minute to the enemy by giving the benefit of the doubt of things that aren't true. Don't complain about the things that aren't even real, but boast in the things of God, amen? That we can rejoice that we're saved, that we're forgiven, that we're redeemed, and we can make a difference in this world around us. I believe this is how Paul worked through the mess because he thought his dreams were shattered. 
He thought he was chained to a prison guard. And what he learned is that his dreams came true, true through the prison. What he, what he realized is he changed his perspective and he penned these words, you too do everything without grumbling or complaining. Just like Paul, even if you're pouring your life out, even if you're in a situation that will never change, even if, you've, even if your prayers don't get answered, that you can give glory to God because of all things he's done in our life. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.